the Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to the White Tail Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by beat writers Patrick Johnson and Ben Kuzma, another three-person podcast. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Here bright and early after a late game last night. Three-headed monster. Yeah, three-headed monster. Lots to talk about, guys. Another incredible uh, performance against the Stanley Cup champs. That's two in a couple of weeks. So I guess we have to ask the proverbial question. Well, are, are these guys for real? Well, I, you know, I was going to start with that. If I look at the schedule going ahead, I mean... We're used to Canuck teams starting well, but there was, uh, you know, there were some people saying, yeah, but they haven't played anyone yet. Well, they've now put in two pretty good shows against St. Louis. They have a couple of games against the Predators coming up. Um, whether or not you believe in the Avalanche, one of the preseason favorites, they're on their list coming up. So really, if you look at, you know, they're away for two, back for four, I think, and then away for a couple more where they are playing some of these better teams. and. I put it to you. Where do you think this team is going to be in the next couple of weeks, Ben? I always like that uh, 20-game mark, Paul. I think the next big road trip that's coming up takes them to Dallas, Nashville, Washington, Philly, Pitt, and Edmonton. And that's right around the U.S. Thanksgiving. That's always kind of been the benchmark, although I think it's a little bit different now, the new NHL, where teams are actually going above the playoff bar who are below it entering the new year. So I think that's a better measuring stick because the Canucks are pining. They're pining for a November to remember. Remember last November, Brock Besser had the great game with Petey. They lit it up here against Colorado. We go to Detroit. Brock goes on the ice, takes a couple of spins. The groin's gone. The groin morphs into an adductor strain, a hernia scare. And they had a horrible November. You're only picking that road trip, Ben, because you're going on it. It's, well, it's well, totally it's a, selfish storytelling purposes for you. And it's never a good thing when your groin is gone. No. No. Yeah. We've been there. No, I think you're right. <laughs> 20 games is the right benchmark. I mean, the, the numbers back that up that mm-hmm. you can start looking at it. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that, you know, if, if they just play 500 hockey through Christmas, they're going to find themselves in a really good spot. Um, there's some tough games to come, but they they did such a good job picking up points to open the season against teams that if you're really taking yourself seriously as a playoff team, teams that you need to beat, and they've done that. And now, you know, as we said, credible performance against the Blues. Uh, they go on the road, a bit of a bit of a slog there. Some tough teams out there, but if they can take points out of half those games, they're doing pretty good. And the first ten uh, giving up the first goal too is, yeah. is kind of you know on one segment you could say well that's a problem secondly the way they were able to rally from that it doesn't set them off I mean players talked about it especially on the road that in the past maybe we'd sit yeah. back and we're just a little bit overwhelmed by deficit going into St. Louis and rallying from a 3-1 deficit to force overtime and win a shootout uh, that, that stuff resonates through the room. It's been a funny one too I mean you mentioned the idea yeah. that they keep giving up the first goal but it's you, you almost haven't noticed it because they're, they've been sprinting past everybody. It's like they've a mulligan, been, right? They've been playing so hard. I mean, you don't even notice that they've given up the goal. They tie the game, and then all of a sudden they're in the lead again. So last night, Patrick, they, you know, we were recording this Wednesday morning. <laughs> People download it through the week. But we're referring to the St. Louis game. Yeah, they lost, but they did get a point. Good game, and they played well. Yeah. It was a physical game. We've seen this team that, you know, the reference I know last week, Ben brought his his sheet of notes in here about how high they were historically in terms of, you know, games where they've scored five goals. Right. This team seems to be able to 
play a number of different ways. How much is that a part of their success so far? Is that they can go toe to toe with physical oh, yeah. teams? That they can, they they seemingly can flip the switch if we can harken back a little bit and turn on the offense. They're getting good goaltending. Their blue line isn't an issue anymore. You know, issues around specialty teams when everyone's healthy. They can play that game as well. Is this the most well-rounded Canuck team we've seen certainly since 2011? Well, I mean, certainly in the last five years in Jim Benning's you know era. I mean, the 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 14-15 team that he mostly inherited was you know it was I think maybe a better team than we give it credit for in hindsight, but it also wasn't that it kind of played to its limit. This team certainly, in terms of its young players, is intriguing. And I would say the way they've started this, you know, they start. I mean, we talked about this before. I know this, but you know, it is true. The way they started the season, it wasn't a mirage. Like there've been starts in the last three or four seasons. You, know, you think of that. I think it was Willie's last year when they led. They were up. They were four zero and one or something like that. They led all of eighteen minutes in in five games. It was something ridiculous like that. And this team isn't like that. This team definitely is deeper. It is better. You know, the defense core is already better. Um, they've got, you know, JT Miller has been as good, at least as good as they'd hoped he would be, may, probably better. Uh, you know, that line, that Pedersen, that the Lotto line is, you know, one of the top five lines in the league right now. They're playing so well. Uh, you know, Josh Levo, I touched on it briefly in my story about Brandon Sutter, how well Brandon Sutter playing because he's in a position to sort of succeed, uh, you know, not being asked to, to be the checker he never really was, uh, instead just be a solid depth center you know Josh Levo has done such huge things for his game uh you know there's something good about almost every line right now and and you know obviously Bo Horvat's line is continues to fly along they're not scoring maybe as much as you like Tanner Pearson hasn't scored a ton but he's getting chances and there's lots of things going well and even the things that aren't going well well you know they're going to balance themselves out going in the long run the one thing about a Canuck team you could always say a Travis Green team is hard to play against and that that resonates within the room but by the same token you know there's an adage in hockey that says you know hard work will beat talent if talent doesn't work hard now you have the talent to supplement that and I thought the most interesting thing after the St. Louis game was I, I went over to Craig Berube you know, Stanley Cup coach, and he had nothing but great things to say about the Canucks. It's one thing for the Canucks to talk about themselves, but when you have a Stanley Cup coach saying they're fast, they play in five-man units, they had us on our heels tonight. And this is coming from a Stanley Cup coach. So I think that, that really carries a lot. So I think of a lot of it has to do, and we've touched on this too, it's not like run and gun. The Canucks play hard. They forecheck hard. There's a reason that Schaller is on a bit of a run, and the fact that Beagle is so good, that line is so good in even a matchup world. It's not your traditional fourth line. You know, Travis Green's great quote about that line is, I don't have to hide them. Yeah. I can play them against anybody. So when you're having games where three or four lines are scoring and you play hard and your goal, your goals come off that forecheck or just being hard to play against, suddenly you're not spending much time in your own zone. Suddenly you're up there in special teams. Suddenly you're right up there in goals and right up there in goals against. I wanted to ask both of you as well about the um, just the nature of the team. We've seen, you know, Pedersen and Besser are going to be the big money guys, the guys that you count on over the season to rack up some gaudy numbers. Um, but both of them have a little bit of in their limited history of being a little bit streaky. If I look at how balanced this team has been, you know, they may get, a, you know, a good contribution. Offensively, I'm speaking, you'll get the contribution from Bo Horvat for a couple of games. And then Jake Vertanen steps up. And then, you know, Josh Levo chips in with a goal here. We laugh about Schaller and obviously he had a hotter start. But what does it say that if someone is not firing on all cylinders, that seemingly with this team, there's someone 
who steps up and does. Like I I can't recall a team in in recent history for the Canucks anyway that has been able to absorb a couple of down games from some of their key players because someone else just yeah. fills that gap. That's a good point because usually we're, we'll write a story about X player hasn't scored a goal in X amount of games and it's a big deal because he's in the top six. That doesn't occur anymore. I think Travis does a really good job of balancing out his line. Obviously, Miller, Pedersen, and Besser are a thing. They're not moving. But depending on a given night, I mean, Horvat's already had some revolving right wingers to try to find the right guy to complement them uh, with Tanner Pearson, depending who they're playing on a given night. And Horvat's been freed up not not to kill penalties now. Uh, they're getting great uh, efforts in the circle from Horvat and Beagle. I mean, when you're starting with the puck, <laughs> there's a good chance you're not only going to get gain the offensive zone, you're going to do something with it. But uh, that's a great point. It's not one of those things where they're relying on one, two, or even three guys to do the scoring, and uh, that a lot of that comes from balance. And let's be honest, it comes from having better players. I mean, we've been t- you know it's almost like. You know, J.T. Miller could run for office here in Vancouver because he's been everything they've hoped for. A guy who, you know, we talked about this earlier, playing hard and playing heavy and and, and, and being tough to play against. I mean, uh, he's got uh, some playoff history. He's had 20 goal years with the Rangers. And he's, if there's one, you know, we talk a lot about the back end, but if there's one player who they really plugged in and fit in seamlessly, it's been Miller. The ang- the angst in the summer we've we've talked about this before, Patrick. The angst in the summer over giving up a first round pick for Miller and signing Myers to the the you know the biggest contract. Uh, it's really dissipated, hasn't it? Because these guys are well, they performed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I still think there is you know if you do sit back and think big picture, I mean, it's still tough to look at the price of giving up a first round pick in any situation, especially when. You know, the, the Canucks essentially made the biggest offer. I mean, that's it is why they won, is that they made the biggest offer. And at some point, you have to be that team. Um, and we don't, I think the problem is we don't know what else was out there. So, you know, it's harder to gauge in that standpoint. But, you know, the price was heavy. And, you know, you're, it was a huge bet on themselves basically say, well, you know what, the, even if we were drafting in the first round next year, we're going to, this guy makes us a playoff team, we'll be, you know, drafting something like 20th. And at 20, you know, you're still getting a good player, but it's not like they're going to be in the competition for one of the top five picks because next year's draft is said to be really deep again. Um, and Myers, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was surprised. I thought Myers I thought Myers would be a useful player for them offensively. He would be able to move the puck in a way that they hadn't been able to do, but you still weren't convinced that this was a team that was going to be out of its own end enough for that to be you know, an advantage and they've proven to be that so far. They've, they've played a way that has forced basically uh, forced other teams to battle in the neutral zone and they're winning the neutral zone and they're not playing a lot of defense in their own end. And that's, you know, I mean, the best defense is a good offense, as they always say, right? I mean, PD PD had a back check last week, and I touched on it a little bit in one of my game stories where basically, you know, he's told me, he said, I understand, I understand how much I hate not having the puck. I play defense because I want to get the puck back. And he made a back check where he went back and he got the puck back and they went the other way. And it was in many ways to me, it was sort of the ultimate moment of the season so far. It was just such proof of how well they're working to basically prevent the other team from getting scoring ch- opportunities by just having the puck themselves. And when you look at Pedersen's scoreline now, you not only look at shots and attempts or blocks, you look at hits. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about Pedersen's involvement is that when he takes a hit, he gives one yeah. back. Um, but getting back to Miller, I, I think the big thing there was, like you said, having the faith in a player who has a bit of a checkered past. I mean, he played for AV. He played for Torts. He had a couple of 20-goal seasons with the Rangers. But he's also one of those guys who, if he's in a slump, some, sometimes it doesn't take criticism well. 
That's the knock on Miller. So you're talking about a guy who kind of got lost in the mix in Tampa, only scored 13 goals, basically a third-line guy. And the thing I like about Miller when you talk to him, he says, listen, I, I need to revo- reward a franchise that, that took a chance on me in the sense that I'm going to be a top-six guy for them and probably play in the first power play unit. So there's a buy-in from the player as well as the organization. I think that's why it's worked. And, and let's not kid ourselves. Nothing, nothing succeeds like winning. Winning solves everything. Yep. And losing exposes everything. So I think the Canucks are at a place now where the optics with this franchise are all about getting to the postseason. Even if they get punted in the first round, it's to get there that these young players now understand when you get to the dance, this is what it's all about. They found out against the Blues on two occasions what it's like to play playoff hockey. I just think the organization's at a point now where get to the playoffs, experience it. Even if you're out, at least you've been there, and I think that's the next logical step, and that's another reason they brought Miller into but, the fold. But, Ben, those games against St. Louis, they've acquitted themselves very well. I mean, probably amongst the top, those two games maybe in the top five performances all season. Um, but, again, I throw this out to both of you. The conversation before the season was – uh, yeah, this is a team that we want to see playing meaningful games in March, that that they'll be in that 8, 9, 10, 7, 6 area fighting for that last spot. That conversation's changed, hasn't it? I mean, they're third in the West. What would it take for this team to drop out of the playoff picture? To me, I mean, yeah, Ben, you've got to walk before you can run, and it's important that they get to the playoffs. But I, I, if I'm a fan, my expectations are this team is not just getting to the playoffs, but what can they do? Third in the West is no joke. No, it isn't. But again, we, you know, we're talking about even a division where you know the given is that Vegas is going to be there, and Edmonton's not going away, and suddenly Arizona's there. The Flames are who they are, and now the Canucks are in the mix. It's going to be to get one of the top three spots in in, in the division is going to be tough. I, I mean, I have to go on record. But I said at the outset, I think the Canucks A will be better. B, I, I'm not quite sure they're going to be there. I had the playoff bar at 94. They may be up now. I think I had them at 89 points. So I had them kind of like four or five points out of the last wild card spot. And uh, right now they're proving us wrong. Part of that is it's early in the season, but, man, they've checked off a lot of boxes. Special teams are great. The scoring's been good. Goaltending's been outstanding. So how do you knock that? And then, like you said, Paul, playing the uh, Stanley Cup champs twice in two weeks and, and according themselves that well, uh, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to see how they're, how they're going to fall off. I, I think the big thing is probably injuries. I mean, if they lose some key people, uh, that, that's going to be hard to replace. Well, we saw with Hughes, I mean, the, the brief scare there Friday night, you know, so interesting here that he wanted to come back in, you know, which is obviously a great yeah. sign that just he himself wanted. You know, he knows he says I could play. You know, they, they took the smart route. But, yeah, we saw what that power play looks like. We got a reminder of what that power play looks like without Hughes. I mean, Alex Edler's been a great power play player for the Canucks, but he's not the guy anymore. And that that unit needs – they need the kind of play that Hughes brings, that dynamic skating, that ability to put – penalty killers on their toes open up spaces for the other guys on on that unit and um yeah so if you lose you know a guy of that caliber it's always gonna be hard to replace but with the canucks everything is so fine edge that you lose that guy lose hughes you know you don't want to lose Pedersen, you don't want to lose besser you don't i mean the, both those guys are playing so well Pe- miller could you imagine losing miller you know i mean you just sort of look at it right now and how things balance out i mean they've got a guy like sven berchi who'll be helpful but he's not any one of those guys no, he's not. But I think every team is faced with that. If you lose, uh, if you lose a star player, one of your top five players, you've got to find someone in the minors to to come out or in the press box to step in. And 
And I'd even put that to you while we talk about how many boxes this team's ticked. One of them is they can cope with injuries way better than they could last year. When you look at Goldobin, you look at Berchi, as you talked about. I mean, you even look at a guy like Yolevi, who is allowed to slowly develop instead of, you know, Ben, if this, if this team was struggling, it would be like, when is this guy ever going to play in the NHL? He's, he's being allowed to kind of stew on a slow cooker. And when, he's, when the chance comes, he, you know, that's a guy who still has a ton of promise that can step in. I, I can't remember, even if I look at those Stanley Cup teams, uh, the teams that, or the team that got to the Stanley Cup, I, I don't know that they had the NHL depth in their minor system the way this team does. Yeah, and even on the back end too, Paul, I mean, you've got Vandenberg, um, you've got Sautner, so your levy's allowed to, as they say, percolate in Utica. I still think at some point in the second half we're probably going to see him because you want to get a, a gauge on where he's at, but that hasn't been the case in the, in the past, and even up front. I mean, you're not recalling Zach McEwen when somebody gets hurt. Like you said, you got Berchi, you got Goldobin, you could go other routes. I mean, you know, Reed Boucher is the, the greatest scorer in the history of the American Hockey League, right? Crash Davis. <laughs> so you do have that, and that hasn't been the case in the past. And when you talk to Travis Green about it, it's one of the first thing he cites, the depth in the organization that wasn't there even a couple of years ago. I, I, I mean, 2011, let's push back a little. 2011, we forget. The only reason that that defense is that deep is because Sammy Salah blows out his Achilles on the eve of the season so they can put him on IR so they can keep Kevin BX. I mean, they had this incredibly deep defense then and even up front. I mean, they added guys during the season that made the, the team even better. The, this team has got a lot going for it. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, there's still like, I mean, there's still, you know, there's not, you know, if a couple of guys get hurt, you know, yeah, they bring Berchi and they bring Goldobin in, but then all of a sudden you're starting to look more like last year's team. And I mean, it was funny, somebody pointed out to me last year's uh, opening night lineup, which was which had Tyler Mott on the third line, you know, and like Tyler Mott's been a good fourth line checker for this team, but if you're leaning on him to be your third line left winger, you know that's not where great. was where was Leipzig? Leipzig was on your fourth line, yeah, you, you know, go. like that's the thing, right? And, but <laughs> I know th- th- this is good news. I mean, Antoine Roussel will be back yeah. in December probably, yeah. Yeah. and you know now you've got another dilemma if you know everyone's still healthy, and and I think the other key to this team again to speak how well they're playing. So many of those injuries last year, I think, in a lot or last recent seasons, had been about because this was a team chasing the game. They weren't good enough to have the puck themselves. They were having to work harder than you want to. You know, at a higher rate, more consistently, the harder you're pushing yourself to the max, the more you're opening yourself up to all kinds of injuries. That's why Brandon Sutter was getting all these groin injuries, that kind of thing. And they're not having to chase the game. They have the puck. Teams are coming to them, and they're feeling uh, feeling better for it. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. If they maintain this pace, and the fact you mentioned Roussel, and, and you know he's the guy that dragged the team into the fire last year. Uh, it's interesting that Travis mentioned after the St. Louis game, talking about a, playing a playoff team and what it— needs to succeed in the postseason. It's almost like Travis was getting a little bit ahead of himself talking because you can build teams for the regular season. And he's okay? been really careful not yeah, to get Yeah, it's run and gun, himself. right? It, yeah. it, and what did the St. Louis Blues do last year? The previous season, they missed the playoffs by one point. They went and got guys like O'Reilly. They brought Perron in. They brought Bozak in. They brought seasoned guys with with that kind of pedigree, veteran pedigree. You can't bring in that many guys at the trade deadline. Yeah. But if they're in the playoff mix and they think they're going to make a legitimate push, do they add that element somewhere at the trade deadline because they think they're going to get to the dance and they're going to need, as Torch used to say, some stiffness in the postseason because it's a totally different game? So, okay, we're allowed to get a little bit carried away. This team's third in the NHL. For the last five, six seasons, all we've talked about is is when is the GM getting fired. Um, but we're allowed to be optimistic about this, I guess. So no one's suggesting that this team is a legit Stanley Cup 
contender yet. So where are the red flags? Where are your areas, while we acknowledge how well the team's playing, where are the areas that you guys see are potential pitfalls for this team going forward? Like, in essence, also, who are the bad matchups for them? Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play the Preds. Yeah, the the Predators are um, reminding me the Blues last year, making some off-season acquisitions. I mean, I, I don't think Dallas has hit total stride yet. Uh, getting Pavelski, I think that's that's a team that was one goal away from the conference final last year. So, uh, like your reference, Paul, we're going to be seeing these teams, right? Nashville, Dallas, twice in the next couple of weeks. Pitfalls, I, I think, is as much as they're getting balanced scoring. What happens when the balance goes away? I, I, you know, you never want to be a one-line team, but eventually, you think that you know it's going to be Pedersen and Besser and Miller, and suddenly Horvat's line, revolving wingers, that's not happening. Sutter's more of a matchup line. Nothing's happening there. The fourth line is a fourth line. One of the pitfalls well, to me is if they become a one-line team, which they haven't been all year. Injuries injuries is a given. Uh, hard to fault a goaltender. I can't see suddenly those guys going in the tank with the way that Ian Clark's brought their games around as big guys. So to me, the big fall is if they suddenly become a one-line team uh, and they get beat up injury-wise. I think the right side of the fence is so... You know, it's good, it's solid, but, you know, Satanum gets hurt. You know, Stetcher's been played well Patrick, in the Patrick, I'm talking about things that are possible to happen. <laughs> That's supposed to will happen? No, I mean, it, one of the keys, again, one of the keys to this up-tempo, trying to keep the puck the other end of the ice style that's helped is that, yeah, Chris Tana, that's partly to keep Chris Tana from blocking shots. And, but, you know, if that happens, they lose, say, Tana, and Stetcher, Troy Stetcher's been great in the past. Anytime he's ever had to bump up the rotation, he'll be fine. But then you start looking, okay, are you moving Jamie Ben, or sorry, Jordy Ben over to the right side? You know, Fantenberg, we haven't seen yet. He's He did well enough in Calgary. He did well enough in the Kings. But, you know, you're starting to look, okay, you know, you're looking, are you bringing up Rogan Rafferty? I mean, Ashton Sautner's been fine as a as a depth NHL defenseman. Um, but it's not, you know, you, maybe you bring in all you Levy, I don't know. But, you, you know, there's not, there's not an obvious sort of strength you know, sort of in that in that depth category for the defense, and in terms of matchups, I'm you know Vegas. I think still about that game when they went there in um, in March and just got completely blown out of the building, and and how much faster and stronger and and powerful the the Golden Knights were in that particular game. And I want to see the Canucks against a team like the Golden Knights who play such a high tempo, high energy, high physicality game and 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 let you know that they're there. We talk about, you know, meaningful games in March, and hopefully that extends to mid-April. I'm really curious about two guys, Patterson and Hughes. What happens when they when the meter game goes way past 60? Guys who are not accustomed to playing that much. Patterson referenced it uh, last year. He was tired down the stretch. Uh, Hughes referenced it on the last road trip, three games and four nights. He was just bagged after the game at MSG because he's not accustomed to that. I'm really curious to see how two potential star players – Handle it when they're not. It's not garbage time anymore come March and April. They're going to be in the hunt for some playoff position. How are those guys going to hold up? Because right now you can wonder, are they going to run out of gas? Because they just haven't experienced this before. I think that that's really going to be interesting to watch. Well, I, you know, that will be a great story if the team has evolved to that point and that's their issue there. It'll <laughs> yeah. just be the next step in this team. Yeah. Moving on. I did want to open the floor for you guys on anything on the current team because I want to finish up with a couple of specific things that are a little off the mark. So anything else on this current team that you guys think you should tell our listeners about? Well, I think there's uh, just some interesting things that, uh, that I think some things are interesting at play when you've got a good team. Right now, Adam Gaudet is playing on the right side with Bo Horvat. And, and talking to Bo Horvat at the rink, he said, you know, my first year in junior in London, I played the right side. 
because they thought it would be easier for me to transition to major junior hockey, not having the responsibility of being the down loan guy in, your, in the offensive zone and all the way back. It opens up more offensive opportunities. And he thinks for Gadette, just in his development right now, we know he's going to be a center eventually, but in his current development at the pro level, to be freed up a little bit more for scoring opportunities. I think he had a rough game last night. He found out how hard it is to play against the cup champs. But these are the kind of things that I like. They're able to experiment a little and bring guys along and keep winning at the same time. So there's a pretty good thought process going on with development of players at this level. I think the sort of the looseness of Brock Besser. You know, he's had a good start to the year. His dad's doing better. Uh, you know, he hasn't had that. He didn't have that frustrating summer where he was like last year. I mean, you, it, I think so much about Coos last year. How you kept pointing out, you know, Brock looks bigger, and he was. And part of it was because he wasn't able to get himself into game shape because he was rehabbing an injury that was really tough to come back from. He said he the, the classic line from Brock was, "I hope it's muscle." Yeah, right. It's eight or nine pounds. And, yeah, and I, I I talked to so many players about added weight, what that does, your back, your transfer, your yeah. pivot foot. Your release, your accuracy, everything's affected if you're not in a great shape or carrying extra weight. It's a trickle-down effect. Yeah. So, And, and he's, in, he's just in such good spirits, and you just kind of have these moments now where you mention something to him, and he just – he lingers, and he, he smiles, and he laughs. And there's just a – there's a sort of a – There's an air about An him. ease and a, a comfort with him that's really good. It's just, you know, as sometimes you sit back because, you know, you know what he's been through, and you, you, you know, you're happy to see for him as a human being that he's doing well. I think on top of everything else, it also speaks to the chemistry this group has. I mean, guys of a similar age that are getting along, you know, blended nicely with a couple of veterans to lead the way who don't need the stage. And again, I think this is the evolution of, you know, the Sedin stepping away and the other guys needing a year or two to step into the forefront. But I don't know, I'm not around them as much as you guys, but the chemistry on this team seems as... It, it has the potential to be as good as that 2011 This is a group squad. that gets along with each other really well. And Besser, I mean, even yeah, the, even yeah. the guys that are at sort of opposite ends of the kind of the spectrum, if you will, they still are, they can all hang out. But Besser took Pedersen under his ring right from the get-go, and not just to stuff at the rink, but away from the rink. New country, new language, new game. Uh, they're best friends. They hang out all the time, and, and it's, 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 a, it's a real thing. I mean, uh, we know that Besser is a better player than, or better person even than he is a player. And to bring Pedersen along, just his transformation in North America, I mean, it's not just a symmetry on the ice, it's off the ice. I mean, they're great friends, and that kind of permeates through the room. Uh, kind of a spirit there that we haven't seen for a while. The other thing I wanted to mention was kind of the... It, it's such a almost proof of what an amazing athlete Quinn Hughes is and how he injured himself uh, in Anaheim that, you know, he catches the edge. That ice was terrible. I mean, that's definitely the worst ice we've seen ice. all season. Um, that ice is terrible. But, you know, he catches his toe, torques his leg. You know, that's when he said that's he bruised. And how he fell is how he bruised his knee. But then he also tripped himself with his right knee, which hit his ankle. And I challenge anyone to do that, whether just in their own shoes, not even wearing skates, but in their shoes to try to touch your knee to your opposite ankle. Like, it's next to him. Like impossible to do, and that just shows you how nimble this kid is. It was it was kind of insane. It was a point that you know we sort of went, wait, that's kind of a crazy thing to do, and it's just what an incredible a- athlete. I mean, thankfully he didn't come away from it too injured. But, but every, yeah, insane. and every injury he's had in his career, there's been nobody around him. Yeah. I mean, we all expect him to get absolutely obliterated on some yeah. forecheck, just splattered against the end glass. <laughs> He's too elusive. He's too elusive. I mean, elusive. you talk to Chris Tanov about him, who just loves playing with him because it forces him to up his game and spend less time in the defensive zone as well. Hughes has never been hurt by somebody actually hitting him. A puck on the ankle? Yeah. Skating a rut? Yeah. But nobody's hitting him. 
Well, all I'll say, Patrick, is, uh, you know, when I was dive bombed by crows on my cycle to work uh, back in June and went headfirst into a uh, traffic sign and split myself wide open, I'm pretty sure both my knees touched both my ankles at the same time. <laughs> so it was not a pretty sight. As, <laughs> what a recovery, Paul. Wow. Yeah, no, as, as many people said when they saw the injury, it was like, if you have video of that, I'll pay you more than $10,000. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to finish with some uh, different stuff a little off the beaten track. And, uh, you know, we do these videos here, so I'm not going to go over the old Doughty ground, which if, you know, the Whitetail brand uh, video uh, stories and, and obviously the podcast, uh, Ben touched a little bit on, on Doughty and going to L.A. and, and you know, knowing that you're going to have uh, someone who's going to answer your questions rather honestly. But so that just reminded me a little bit of this ESPN player survey that came out this week. And, um, you know, predictable, I guess. But they asked the players, which road city do you dread the most? Um, 42% said Winnipeg, 34% Buffalo, 10% Edmonton, 4% Calgary, 4% Ottawa, 4% Carolina, 2% Columbus. Um, Patrick, you, I don't think you've done the full suite yet because it's your second year on the beat. But, Ben, you've been around this Ferris wheel a number of times. I just wanted to ask you guys what your favorite and least favorite road cities are. Well, you know, the interesting thing too, Paul, I, I think really from a from a reporter's perspective, it's all about logistics. It's not only getting yeah. to the rink, but what does the rink? The Barclays Center was built for basketball. There is no press box. We are in a table up in the corner just below the ceiling with the air conditioning blowing on us. It's like working in a cave. You can't even see your notes and then the security staff reminds you not to leave anything there because they've had a lot of thefts. But you're in New York. But the caveat to that, (laughs) Paul, is that I will take that because it is New York City and there's no place like it. I just think uh, if you ever get a chance to go to MSG, we're we're, we're very fortunate because the, the seating level is halfway up. But the refurb they did at MSG and the buzz in that city regardless of what the professional sports teams are doing is second to none so I just think for a buzz uh, you can't beat NYC but you know some of my favorite places aren't, 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 aren't the ones that are on a map I love going to St. Paul Minnesota of all places because A the rink is great it's close to the hotel and it's probably the most friendly people I've ever met in the Midwest so how's that for a juxtaposition um, How about you there? Well, yeah, it's passport funny. Boy. You want to tell a passport the passport story? Because okay. I believe there's a quote. They got an anonymous quote from one of the players who basically says, like, it's impossible to go get a coffee. Like, you just can't go outside. Oh, no. The best quote was, you walk outside and the air is dirty. I feel like yeah. I have to wash my face after I've been in Winnipeg. Like, that's, unfortunate. that's really drastic. Yeah, like, that's okay. I mean, that's 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 personal lived experience. I, I As I joke, joke uh, last year when I got to go to Winnipeg, I had, the, I had a wonderful two days in Winnipeg because the weather was good. I somehow got nice weather. So I am the one guy, other than Ed Willis, who says that Winnipeg's their favorite place to go. Well, he's still waiting for the parade. You guys yeah, yeah. you guys are, honestly... Ed's waiting for the parade. Ed, Ed gets one or two trips a year, and I noticed you gave him Chicago and Winnipeg, so he's on this trip right now, but it's back-to-back, so we can't even enjoy Chicago. No, yeah, it's more yeah, about right getting to Winnipeg. Winnipeg. No, no, it's, it's more yeah. about getting to Winnipeg. It's He'll do the Winnipeg, Chicago. That's all he cares about. It's all about getting hey, to Winnipeg. He's going to go to Vegas. So you yeah, know. he's got a Vegas trip. Trust me. I think the three version. We we got him there. <laughs> we got him somewhere else. I, I, I think the best great... one was when Ben and Botch gave him about two or three years ago. Gave him the the uh, the Edmonton Calgary back to back in February. <laughs> I'm still hearing about that one. Yeah. Uh, I uh, Anaheim's Anaheim's not great. Well, they forgot to build the press box. It's up in That's the corner one of those there. press boxes yeah. on the but side. But not even the weather, Patrick. Like, if, if I'm going to ask you where's a place that you don't like to go in the NHL, are you going to say Anaheim? I'm well, actually, I'm I actually mean, going to say Edmonton. Florida? It's the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Come on, Florida. 
you what, know, come on, you gotta look. <laughs> people would take. What, I haven't been so anywhere about, bad yet. What, Buffalo, I haven't been to Minnesota, Detroit. Been to Buffalo. I'm going to Buffalo. Okay, this come on. Yeah. They built a beautiful rink in the middle of downtown Edmonton, and that's about it. I mean, there's yeah. nothing they can do. They can put all the. Yeah, they, that's it. It's, that's it's got no. Yeah. I'm sorry, all my Edmonton friends. Yeah. It's got no pulse. What did you no think of pulse. Salt Lake City, man? I haven't asked you about that yet. Not, well, when I went to Salt Lake City a long time ago with the Calgary Flames, it was the old rink. So, you know, Salt Lake, you're in, you're out right across the street from the rink, and you sit in the stands. It's okay. I haven't had any it's really, okay. truly bad ones. I, I, I actually no, found a nice hotel in Raleigh. People don't like Raleigh. I found a nice hotel in Raleigh. I, I mean, I, State. I always pump your, your Instagram anyway because it's Pat, if you're on yeah. Instagram, Patrick is Patty J on the road. And yeah. one of the things is as a new guy on the beat. He kind of takes yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Is there a passport story in there? In that oh, Instagram? You have to that one yet, have you? We have to ask our producer, Juanita Ng, here. Juanita, our travel expert. We have time for your passport story. Come on. Come on. So, so yeah. So it was one of those situations where Saturday flew in, flew up from Anaheim to San Jose. Uh, game that night, pretty easy day. There's no skate. You know, I had a had a story lined up originally about Sutter, but then the Hughes news came out, so they're easy peasy. Um, kind of thinking about that. It was one of those ones you get to. You're waiting at the gate, and they kind of do the announcement. Uh, you know, it's a full flight. If you want to check your bag for free, you know, you can do it. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll be a good guy. I don't mind doing that. So I think I just set my routine off a little bit because somehow getting off the plane in San Jose Saturday uh, at about 11 o'clock, I somehow dropped my passport. And I uh, didn't realize this until Sunday morning when I had arrived. What do you mean you dropped your passport? Were you carrying it and just dropped I don't, it? Ben, leaving? I don't know. Because normally a big I mystery. It, I We've been trying to figure this bag. out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, it was uh, clearly lifted and where he's about to undergo a huge identity <laughs> theft. Uh, next time he crosses the border, he's going to be locked in a dark you're room totally for right, eight you're hours. Right. You're right. You're you know, like I no, have no, a creature's anyway, a habit. I get that part. Yeah. But the bigger part to me was you trying to find the passport. Oh Apparently, my God. there's a whole show in the airport there. I get that. You know, so Saturday morning flying or Sunday morning. And so this is the one. You could fly from San Jose to Vancouver in the morning, but Correct. it's 6 a.m. I'm not doing that. So, you know, we realize there's a Prima mid-morning. Prima already when you're on the beach. There's a yeah. mid-morning flight it. from SFO. Yeah. Easy enough. Easy peasy. So I get up there. It's not until I start looking to – I just all of a sudden start doing the pat. You're like, where? where is <laughs> – and it's not anywhere. And poor Pat, Jeff Patterson's there. Poor Jeff's just, you know, feels bad for me. And then we're trying to figure out, and I go talk to the desk. And sure enough, you know, I as He I, felt so bad for you. He took to social media right away to mock yeah, you. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. He's a oh, yeah. No, no, no. We talked about place. it. It was fine. It was all fine. It was fine. But, it, you know, once once we solved the problem, he could mock me. So but, how did you solve the problem? Well, I, I get, sure enough, get to the desk. Just, you know, they confirm I can't get on the plane with, without, you know, as I know, they're not allowed to fly people around who don't have correct papers, which uh, is Did you check enough. your voicemail? Uh, Jeff points out, have you checked your voicemail? Which, of course, I hadn't been using my personal phone. I have a work phone. And, and, and so he goes, I'm like. $7 roaming. And there it's was cheap. a message from Holly from Alaska Air. She'd been trying to get a hold to me literally while I was at the airport the day before. And long story short, I have a friend who lives near the airport. He gave me a ride down. That, that's the part that kills me. The guy's got to like live. Out of all the cities, I know. All, yeah, it's on a Sunday too, right? The guy's just dropping everything to drive you. Hey, fed like, me breakfast like, too. You, you treated it like like it was a fed me breakfast holiday thing, man. Peter, Peter, he's a great guy. Wow. So anyway, yeah, all you know worked out all right. But that feeling when I realized, you know, you, they told me, well, you can get a letter from the consulate, <laughs> and I'm well, like, yeah, I mean, well, it's Sunday, or you can fly to Seattle and drive up. Nexus. Oh. Yeah, well, you, need a, you need a nexus there. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week. <laughs> Travel tips. Yeah, um, we are starting our Canuck moments, uh, looking at the top moments of the '70s for the Vancouver Canucks. As this is '70s month for them, they 
breaking out some of the retro jerseys. Uh, man, what a bleak month uh, or decade That's the seventies were. I mean, I don't. It made me feel bad. Why didn't they just wear the the seventies jersey for the whole game? I look good in a like at some point, I am going to ask one of you or Steve Ewan or someone because Steve kind of gets into this to do the forensic look at the Canucks uniforms. I know that the Seattle PI just did a whole thing where they took all the uniforms in the city and they did this great social, you know, having people vote. Yeah, yeah, Seattle Times, sorry. Um, So I know with the Canucks changing their jerseys and everything else, people have such strong opinions on it. And even last night, you're right. I mean, no one's really worried about who's skating with who in the pregame skate. It's like, why aren't they wearing these uniforms full times? Where's the white stripes and the alternates? Why isn't Johnny Canuck involved? Like, people's hot takes people go off oh, on Bring uniforms. Bring back to Salmon. Yeah. Yeah. Bring right. it back. Salmon I'm, I'm all in on Salmon. I've told you guys this before. I will say this. The third jerseys this year, I didn't like them when you see them online, but in when person. When you see them in I person. I think they look great. You see them in person. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I still hate that logo, though. They, they need to actually use it in the word Canucks so people can understand it's a C. I think it just looks like a stick in a rink. Anyway, that's another podcast, another topic. We'll leave it there. Thank right. you, Patrick. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Juanita. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts. You'll get this kind of witty banter every week. <laughs>